Hey, Pete the Planner here. Um, listen, I've been working on something for 15 years, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you. It is called Hey Money, and the whole point of it is this. You should not have to pay thousands of dollars a year to talk to a financial expert about your financial life and to get answers to the questions that you so badly need. And that is why we created Hey Money for about 20 bucks a month. We can help you with all aspects of your financial life, short of investment decisions. That's right. I'm just telling you how it is. Don't call us and say, hey, should I invest in this or that? That's not what we do. And let's be honest, those aren't the questions that keep you up at night. We can help you figure out how to get out of debt, to pay for college, how to uh, put together a budget, how to do all sorts of things. If you like this show, which of course you do, that's why you're listening, then get Hey Money. And I've got a special offer code, 10% off radio. Use the offer code radio for 10% off for podcasts and radio listeners only. Go to callheymoney.com. That's callheymoney.com, offer code radio. Good day. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your questions, your money questions. It's Memorial Day weekend. I don't know if you're going to catch this on Memorial Day weekend, but if you do, ha, you know, Dame Ian Dunn joins me now. We don't say Happy Memorial Day, do we? Uh, what would you say? Well, I, I don't. It's it's not one of those celebratory holidays. It's more of an honoring style holiday. Yeah, I, that's true. Um. May you have a reverent Memorial Day? I don't know. What do you say? Anyway, this show, you ask us money questions via the internet. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. And my chief of staff, Oz, jumps on that, and she uh, shoots me the emails that we should answer. Why do I not read them anymore? Well, I have thin skin, and I cannot handle the public criticism we're currently receiving. That's partially true. Dame, uh, let's actually go to the email inbox right now to answer this first question of the week. And I have to tell you, Dame, I don't have it pulled up. So we just had a pre-production meeting on Facebook Live for everyone to see. We had this email and then I did not pull it up. Pulling it up right now-ish. Oh boy. Oh, here it is. Okay. To default or not to default is the question. Dear Pete, I have perfect credit. I also have $50,000 in credit card debt. Damn, I'm going to need a full timeout on this one. Okay. Do you want to go first? <laughs> Doesn't this just kind of illustrate the issue with credit scores? I have a cre- perfect credit score, but I have $50,000 in credit card debt. That that illustrates every point we've been making for over a decade about how your credit score literally doesn't matter. No, I, I we don't. We, I can't. I can't give you a better explanation than this. Just because you have a perfect credit score doesn't mean that you've used that money wisely or your credit wisely. It just means that you've paid your credit on time. And by the way, it sounds like we're really critical of the emailer. We're not. We're being critical of this cultural idea that credit scores define financial wellness or financial health. So I'm going to continue with the email here. I've never defaulted on anything, but have ruined my finances these past four years, thinking I could magically restart my real estate agent earnings whenever I felt like it. I no longer have savings. My retirement funds are gone. I'm 54 years old, and I've already cut my expenses to the bone. I'd gotten my 
young child into school, freeing up my free time, and my plan was to make 2020 a huge earnings year. Then COVID hit. My young child is back home and demands to talk to me the moment my phone rings. And sales are down in my market 67%. I'm trying to compete with agents who didn't take the last four years off for one third of the normal pie. Despite this mountain of task, I do have a couple of deals in the pipeline. So I'm totally, uh, I'm not officially out of money yet. Oh, wait, but I am officially out of money is what it says. I'd say I'm I'm steps from homelessness or entirely moving across the country to move in with parents or siblings, except that kills my income until I get relicensed in another state and start from scratch. If I default on the next $50,000 I earn, will go right into the bank account. So he said if he defaults on the $50,000 in debt that he's racked up and just says, I'm not going to pay it, he can keep the uh, his earnings. The trade-off is my credit would be ruined for years. Please don't tell me about morals. The banks get bailouts for the exact same situation. My only bailout option is default or bankruptcy at the cost of ruined credit, but I will have cash slowly building up in my account. I'm writing because I want help weighing the pros and cons. And by the way, I have to assume any workout with my credit card companies would also hurt my credit and take the minimum of two years just to get even to default or not to default. Dame, where, where to begin on this? There's so much happening. Man, I I feel bad for the guy, uh, honestly. Um, it's, it's a tough situation at any time right now. Man, a perfect storm just kind of hit this guy at, this, at the same time with credit issues had this plan in his back pocket to to go back to real estate and do well and hopefully he's in a a market where you know that that may rebound quickly just hasn't worked out with the pandemic going on so at first i feel for the guy i don't know what else i can say about that however however i'm not sure default is in the best it's not it's not the first thing i would probably do real estate is a fantastic option but maybe not the primary option right now does that make sense yeah i feel like he wants to go big game hunting to get yeah. big chunks of income instead of and god this is going to sound awful i'm not going to sugarcoat it instead of just getting a job yep where you and it, i know again it's going to say well i got a 4 year old i got to deal with and this that you know, he did not want me to talk about the ethics or the morality of strategic default um, based on this idea that the banks do what he has done. But Dame, I'm not sure banks have done what he has done because the banks don't really take years off and then go only try to make money when they need to make money. It's 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 pretty apples and oranges, uh, if you ask me. And by the way, he, he did ask me. <laughs> I mean, there's... There's a backstory here, and I would love to know what that backstory is. He indicated that he's taken some time off. Uh, he's got a four-year-old. Seems to be a single-income household. Um, I, I don't. I, I feel like there's more to the story that has helped, uh, uh, has uh, led him to where he's at currently, and that might help give us some color on that. However, we can only base our answer off of what we see here. And what we see is somebody who uh, is trying to make the best of a situation, but may not be going about it in the best way. You said not sugarcoat it, may just have to get a job. That was how I was trying to figure out how I was going to sugarcoat that answer, because I I, I think that's the answer. You can do real estate on the side 
if you need to, but but go find a way to get an income stream. I I, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what your skills are. I don't know where you're where you live, but there's got to be a way that you can get some money coming in. Dame, isn't that a privileged position with someone from with stability telling somebody to get a job in twenty five percent unemployment? Maybe a privileged position, but it doesn't mean it's not the right position. You know that's that is a, a fascinating point because I I've battled this over the last several weeks of. We can be empathetic. We can be sensitive to what people are dealing with. Um, but that doesn't mean certain truths aren't still true. Like a job solves a lot here, right? It is highly unlikely that this particular person is able to earn unemployment benefits. I, I would think realtors are one group of people who have really struggled to to get unemployment because they are technically employed. Have you I haven't even considered that. Have you heard any stories about realtors getting unemployment benefits right now? I haven't talked to any realtors about any of that. So uh, it'd be really interesting to see how that would fall on them. Maybe they're uh, sole proprietors uh, in the way they've got their their agency set up. I don't know, but um, it'd be interesting. I don't know. In the minute we have left, I want to actually tell you my answer to him. Uh, I said, uh, I'm not going to tackle the ethical side of this per your request, but here's some things to consider. Number one, make sure you don't get behind on taxes or your troubles will triple. Damon, that's where that that's we've seen this and that's where this is going. Right. I mean, sure. 100 percent going that way. Number two, your credit will obviously impact your ability to rent a house or apartment going forward. You need to be careful uh, of court orders related to your defaults. Man, credit card companies will sue you. And you will get in trouble because then you'll have a bunch of bench warrants you can't pay. Timing will be the main issue. He'll likely need to maintain his debts, pay minimum payments on those debts until he has enough cash accumulated. And then the other side of this, and this is a little bit weird, Dame, is I know this guy's stressed now, obviously, but collection calls, collection emails, letters, that's a whole new level of stress that this guy isn't ready for. So... I don't think he should strategic default. I think, like you said, he should find a gig and then or a, a full-time job and then do real estate on the side because that's the way out of this hole, not just throwing in the towel. Yeah, there's got to be a solution there. All right. Well, Dame, that was it. One segment. Coming up after the break, uh, we're going to, ta- let's tackle that annuity, annuity question. You know, do, do annuities make sense given the level of risk going on in the financial markets right now? All that and more. Next on the Pete the Planner Show, I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, very somber between uh, segment break there. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Damien had a great reveal. He has a new shirt. You can see it at Facebook Live. It says not related. Um, so uh, please join us on Facebook Live next Friday at noon. That's when we record the show. You can watch it happen live or you can listen live <clears throat> on the radio or whatever, whatever. Dame, next question. Oz put it into the uh, queue for us. It seems that a retirement annuity is a good thing, but I read where annuities are bad? Question mark. Can you explain? Question mark. Dame, look, I know I write uh, for a living, but sometimes like the writing gets interesting and I love it. (laughs) But I read where annuities are bad, question mark. Can you explain? Question, 
If you sign up for an annuity with guaranteed payments as the principal still yours or your beneficiary after death. Okay, Dame, let's let's lift the veil on annuities. Oh, like every financial product that exists, there are good products and there are fine products. There are not bad products. There are products that fit certain situations. I don't believe the concept of that there is a bad financial product. Now, a particular fee may be really high in relation for what you get out of it, but I don't believe the myth of bad products. And you're welcome to disagree with me. You know how the show works. How do you feel? There are no there are no bad products, only bad fits, potentially. Is yes. That- we should make a t-shirt. How You're wearing a not related t-shirt and I have a Casamigos tequila t-shirt on. So that just shows where our priorities are. Oh, you know. So annuities, in this specific case, annuities, retirement annuities, are they a good thing, uh, period? Good thing, period, uh, according to the, the question. And by the way, for those that don't know, an annuity is an insurance product. It's a life insurance product that offers a level of guarantees. You you pass the risk of an investment onto an insurance company to insure certain elements of the product. I think of it anywhere from like a CD or a mutual fund in which if things go wrong, the insurance company jumps in and, and saves the day on those. That is a very gross, oversimplified uh, definition of annuity. So I'm sorry, I did interrupt you. So people who get annuities are looking for a couple things, wouldn't you say? Uh, some some um, safety or security of a guaranteed uh, stream of income and retirement, most likely. Probably the the biggest thing that people are looking for, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's there two. It's it's security and during the growth phase, the accumulation phase, and guarantees in the distribution phase. That's absolutely right. I mean, if we're being honest, who wouldn't want that? It, right. sounds, it sounds like a fabulous opportunity. However, there comes a cost to get those things. And they are traditionally more expensive than maybe assuming the risk yourself in the markets with either uh, the assistance of an advisor or on yourself. So uh, if you are the type of person who um, is uh, easily um, shook uh, during times like these, or is it loses sleep when you think about the fluctuations your portfolio value may be going to, that might be a good fit for some or all of your money uh, going forward. So uh, again, gross oversimplification of, of who annuities are good for. Could be a dozen other possible opportunities. However, I think in this context, that's probably what the person's going for. Do you think? I think so. You know, it, it's funny. It's uh, it goes back to fit. It goes back to fit. Financial advisors, you know, especially those that manage equity investments, love to dislike annuities. And I neither like nor dislike them. I, they're just a tool. Like, Dame, I love hugs, but sometimes hugs are inappropriate, right? So what, what does it really matter whether you like or dislike a product? It's a right fit at a right time. And I think right now for people who want security, they want guarantees, it can be a good fit for risk-averse people. Now, I have to say, that's not most people. Most people can handle a little bit of risk. You know, most people who um, really take advantage of planning when they're 20s, 30s, and 40s will unlikely need annuities. 
But for those people already looking for guarantees because they're upon that income time in retirement, I have no problem with it. I'm, I'm not endorsing them, but I certainly have no problem with them. So if you feel like an annuity is something that might interest you, it's not something you can do yourself. You have to get an annuity through an agent or through some uh, a licensed representative to do this. So I would say there are two people, two types of agents that you may want to reconsider doing business with if you find one of these two people. Somebody that only does annuities. Every solution is an annuity, no matter what your question is or what your problem is. Or somebody who totally swears off annuities and says that that's, there's never a solution, there's never a good fit. Have somebody that sees them, in my view, in the correct way. It could be a very good tool to use as you approach retirement or as you build towards that stage. Can I play devil's advocate here? Sure. Hi, I'm, I'm devil's, devil's advocate. advocate. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to use this voice. Listen, I'm, I'm the devil's, devil's advocate. advocate. What if? I just go to a financial planner and do a fee-based financial plan and they don't sell investments or annuities and they tell me to go get an annuity. And so then I go to an annuity-only salesperson based on the recommendation of my objective planner. What do you think? you going to hang up and listen for the answer on the radio? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. <laughs> That advisor is going to have somebody that he knows and trusts or she knows and trusts to refer you to. Uh, if they tell you that an annuity is a good part of your strategy going forward, they're going to say, here are maybe two people that you should interview to go talk to with a, with a product I think that might fit just because a financial planner creates the financial plan for you and may not sell annuities or investments doesn't mean that they don't have friends or professional relationships with people who do. So, Can I play devil's advocate to that? Are you going to use the voice? Because if you are, no, you can't. Now I'm going to use a different voice. What I want to know is, is it always appropriate for an advisor to refer you to another advisor or another professional? Because isn't there a conflict of interest there? You know, this is going on the radio, right? I, I forgot. I forget sometimes. I'm sorry, radio listener. Just turn the channel. Turn it to like an infomercial. Uh, I, forget, if, I, I do forget sometimes this is on the radio, if I'm being honest. If they, if they refer to you and there's a conflict of interest, it has to be disclosed in their ADV. Oh, good. A, I'm, I, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm just going to start speaking really fast in short sentences so you can't cut me off. Go ahead. I'm just waiting for you. Nope. Okay. So anyway, annuities aren't good or bad. They are the right fit for the right people. And I also don't think it's an all or nothing approach, Dame. Like it's your whole portfolio doesn't have to be annuities. If you want to have some guaranteed income and some guaranteed accumulation, eh, have an annuity. Just watch out for the fees because the fees can get nasty. Uh, and, and to your point about working with a professional, ask every question and make sure you get a satisfactory answer on all of your annuity questions. If your questions are swept under the rug, then you should 100% feel a little uh, put off by that whole idea. Yeah, right? there's got to be transparency there. If you feel like you are asking questions and getting uh, uh, side-eye answers or just not really paid attention to, probably not somebody you want to be doing business with. 
Dame, coming after the break, what do you want to do? You want to do some people have a pretty big financial problem. Oh, that's a yeah, you know, that's what we're going to do. I've got a pretty big financial. It's another nasty, sad situation. And I, I think that just illustrates that this is the time of we're hearing some pretty, pretty heady, hearty stuff. And so that's what we're going to do next. We've got quite the financial quagmire that we will dig through. Uh, if you want to email us, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Maybe we'll read you uh, your answer next week on the show. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Answering your money questions. If you want to ask us a question, do so. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Dame, next question. This is a tough one. I'm 68. Dame, your clicking is really loud in the microphone. Do you know that? That's me? Yeah. Sorry. I'm 68, single, in a very bad position. I'm in a trap. Oh, no. I, you know, it's this person's struggling, but I just have this visual of them in a trap, which doesn't seem great, you know? <laughs> I can't get that on my head. I worked full time since I was 16 and I paid into social security like what uh, is supposed to be the thing to do. I've had great jobs and also stressful jobs working in IT for large hospitals and chemical plants. When I was 55, I had a nervous breakdown at work because the stress was unbearable. I had savings and mutual funds at the time. After the breakdown, I had to sell my almost new SUV and was forced to sell my house. I moved into a trailer in the country. I no longer had mutual funds or savings as I needed that to live on. My life would never be the same. About two years passed. I wanted to go back to work. I've actively been looking for work for years, but nothing has changed. I'm tired of being passed over because of my age or something else that is discrimination. I've applied at uh, a big store chain based out of Arkansas uh, and those types of businesses. No responses. A real blow to my ego being formerly a system engineer. I'm on Indeed, Monster, No Luck. Those are job search sites, of course. So after five to seven years, I've given up. I live on Social Security. Needless to say, after paying the bills, and I mean only necessities, I have less than $150 left each month. I cannot afford food and cannot get stamps, food stamps because I make $35 too much for my Social Security check. Gee, many Christmas. Every time I leave my house, I'm so nervous that my car will break down. At that point, I'm doomed. All I have in savings is 400 bucks. I did a temporary Photoshop job for 100 bucks. I'm a volunteer website designer. Here's another problem. Since I worked my whole life and paid into the system, now I can't get any type of assistance because I make too much. I'm so sad that I'm struggling that after I worked so long and had outstanding jobs and great work references, I deserve a chance, but it looks like it will never happen. I keep hoping things will look better. Please tell anyone as soon as possible that appears to be going through this. Dame, whoa, man. I, I don't... There are so many situations like this. And I think people that are in them feel isolated and they feel alone. And I understand that feeling. But Dame, we get a lot of emails like this. And they just seem like uh, they seem unsolvable to the person living it, right? So what we do here is show empathy. Yeah, because there's there's no solution, frankly. There, there's very little that we or another professional local to them may be able to do unless it's 
uh, tied into a, a deep knowledge of the local um, resources that they could access because there's just not uh, a lot that we can, we can offer at this stage. Here's where I, I find myself concerned with this situation. Um, this person needs to get engaged in their community to Dame's point so that they know exactly what is available to them. Because if they don't do that, then they're going to find a situation in which um, they have zero resources. They can't get food stamps, but they should be able to at least maybe even go to a food bank. Dame, don't you think part of the solution here is a to go to a food pantry or food bank? Yeah, you've got to know the options that are available to you. And if that means that you uh, go ask some questions to somebody who... Um, who knows the, the ropes locally, whether that's a food bank or um, temporary jobs or, or anything of that nature. I didn't know he said they, they live in the trailer out in the country. Um, I've got to think there's, there's got to be somebody that can help, whether it's local or not. Call 211, uh, which is a, a phone number that's set up by the United Way that can help put you in, um, in touch with local resources for people in a, your exact situation. That may be able to help. Yeah, two one one is a great resource that people don't use often enough. Dame, what do you have to say about paying into Social Security and then it not being there to serve the person? It, it, doesn't it feel like there's a lot of government programs or there's a lot of um, yeah, government programs that, that almost conflict with each other? They it's like a drug interaction. They you do really well and then you get in trouble. You know, someone on our Facebook live stream just said most churches can make some headway with this person, which I think is interesting because I think sometimes even if you're not a person of faith, uh, you don't think a church is there to serve you. But I know our church, the one we attend, serves people that aren't necessarily members of the church community, but members of the community at large. So I don't, you know, I don't want to say faith doesn't matter. That's not the message I'm looking for, Dame. But I'm saying if this person feels like, well, the church isn't going to help me. I'm not even a believer. I, that That's not a factor in this. No, it doesn't have to be. And I would certainly check with um, churches in your, your area as well. They may or may not be able to help. They may uh, require you to sit down and talk with them for a little while. And that's okay because the more people that know your story, there may be somebody that has a solution for you or a, at least a, another opportunity to make things just a little bit better, whether that's something that the church provides or something, uh, a connection that that individual provides, you don't know, but you've got people who are listening to you and caring for you and trying to figure out how to make your life just a little bit better. I, yeah, I think this is where community is everything. Um, you know, in the business world, you talk about what is your network? You know, how can you you know, respectfully work your relationships to get things done you need within your community. And, you know, it's on the up and up and it's respectful and it's um, reciprocal in nature. But I think when you get into social services and you get into who are the, the forgotten in your community, this is a great story of an example of, of someone in that situation. And Damon often happens when someone moves into a community, when they're in the midst of trouble and they don't know even who to turn to this person, essentially what moved to the woods a couple of years ago and, and is cut off from society. Uh, yeah, that's, that's part of the issue. That's a tough one. I, I think sometimes, you know, you and I attempt to give people financial answers. This is where there are, there really are no answers other than seek 
resources, be part of your community, but we don't have the magic bullet. We, we can't tell you the program that's going to increase your income or here's how you get a job. We, we can't do that other than to say, if you become part of your community, those opportunities can show themselves to you sometimes. There's almost always somebody that's willing to help. You've just got to figure out who they are and, and have that relationship with them. So you may not know, know them right now, but uh, the, the more you are involved in your community, the more options may present themselves. Here's a quick one. And you know what? Maybe we'll, how much time do we have left in this segment, Dame? Uh, two we have minutes. a minute and a half. You want to, uh, you know what? We'll, we'll do it for next week. Dame, do you think go, you know, in this period of time where in this economic shutdown and you think about who are the marginalized, who is getting assistance? Um, it's people like this, this emailer that, that you, you, you worry about everybody. I, I saw a meme the other day that says, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. And I was like, Whoa, that is mind blowing. That is a great thing there. Uh, I worry about people like this. Yeah. We see this type of, uh, situation at our church, uh, fairly regularly. Um, sometimes we can help, sometimes we can't, but just because uh, we only get to see a small subset of it doesn't mean that it's not way more pervasive in our neighborhoods. Uh, maybe people that we know that are just too uh, too ashamed or proud to say anything about it, but could really use a hand. So the onus is on part of us to maintain those relationships and develop new relationships. Because uh, if we're doing all right, hopefully we go out and help people too. All right, let's do this, Dame. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to hit biggest waste of money of the week and some current events. Before we get there, though, we have a few seconds left in this segment. I have to say I'm feeling less and less um, optimistic about a robust stimulus package, another one, coming anytime soon. I really feel like uh, a lot of the things we've talked about in the last couple of weeks just simply aren't going to happen. It seems like the Republicans in the Senate really want to take their time with this next stimulus thing, good, bad, or otherwise. We'll touch on that a little bit more here in the next segment. So coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week, current events, and the next stimulus plan. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the Volback Full Metal Jacket designed to help pioneer the future of intelligent and disease resistant clothing. Volback's Full Metal Jacket features over 11 kilometers of copper. One of the most advanced materials in the solar system, copper has the ability to conduct heat and power while killing bacteria and viruses, making it a potential building block for the future of the clothing industry. Built with 65% copper, the jacket is soft, malleable, waterproof, windproof, breathable, and includes a fleece-lined neck and pockets to make it a perfect everyday technical jacket available in silver or black. Now, Dame, I bring this up to you as the biggest waste of money of the week because it's an absurd price, but the weird thing is This goes right along with an article you sent me and that I happen to also read today about Indiana University researchers have identified a fabric that actually kills coronaviruses. It is woven with different metals. Um, And so the two metals, what happens is uh, they discovered that an electrocuticle fabric made of polyester fabric printed with alternating circular metal dots of elemental silver and zinc 
sent the virus's electrokinetic properties into a tizzy. So, Dame, metals are the future of clothing. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? But would you pay $1,095 for a copper jacket? No, I'll take my chances. You know, here's the thing. I understand that we all have to worry about each other's droplets in that in that whole thing now. But a full jacket of droplet resistant material, like isn't a mask and, and like hand sanitizer good enough? It seems like with a little bit of discipline and uh, uh, practice, you'd be okay. One would think so. One would think so. Uh, you sent me a headline that might be my favorite headline as it relates to investing and the time we're all going through together right now. The headline, it's a perfect storm of stupid in the stock market right now. That's great. I love the picture that they put with that too. It is. Here, and it makes a really interesting point. Amateur investors are... It's the wild west on like online trading. We, we read the story, I think a couple weeks ago of the guy that was buying oil future contracts and ended up like owing $8 million. It, it just because people just don't understand how these very technical processes work, yet they're being approved for margin accounts and all sorts of things. Here's an example. Close to 800,000 people have created new brokerage accounts on three of America's top brokerage platforms since the coronavirus pandemic hit the U.S. Dame, this is going to seem like two stable guys complaining about people who aren't stable, but that's a really, really, really scary number. Yeah, you can bet they're not out, not out there buying the S&P 500 index for the long term. They're out there buying stuff that they think they can turn a quick buck on, whether they can or can't. They're going to give it their best shot and find out why day trading is uh, looked down upon. Yeah, you know, it's we we it's important to look what category you are personally in right now. Everyone is in. There, there's three groups. There's people who've been greatly affected financially from our time right now. There's people who've not been greatly f uh, impacted financially yet don't have an emergency fund. And then there's group three who have not been affected and have an emergency fund. Group one and two should not be doing this. So... If you are in group one or two and you're opening an online brokerage account right now, close, don't. You 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 are making a big mistake here. Uh, if you're in group three, well, frankly, sure. But you better know what you're doing. And you and I both know, Dame, that people don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Even if you are in a position where you can do this, consider if you should do this. Uh, if you've got a long time to go until you retire you're probably going to be better off just continuing to add to your investments, your long-term investments, rather than taking a flyer on a couple of cruise companies. Hundreds of millions of dollars have been lost in Washington state to unemployment fraud amid the coronavirus joblessness surge. Did you see this story? Of course you did, Dame, because you sent it to me. Washington state officials have acknowledged the loss of hundreds of of millions of dollars to an international fraud syndicate. Actually, it said scheme, but I wanted to say syndicate because it makes it seem like Mission Impossible. Hmm. Uh, that hammered the state's unemployment insurance system and could mean even longer delays for thousands of jobless workers still waiting for legitimate benefit benefits. Isn't this frustrating that we have built a uh, unemployment system like within weeks to try to serve people in a nearly impossible scenario, but it's fallen on hard times and it's become inefficient because of criminals. How frustrating is that? Yeah, you 
build something to help the people that need it. Um, maybe it's a, a little bit different than what was uh, established previously. And then it gets taken advantage of by uh, pirates. You want to call them pirates? Is that, is that little pirates of the Caribbean? Here? Financial pirates. Financial pirates. Money pirates. We could yeah. have named our site moneypirate.com. It's probably already taken. Uh, so I do want to talk about that stimulus bill and what I try to just give people an update every week on it. Um, Dame, I'm becoming again, I don't know if there will be another stimulus plan. And if there is, I don't think it's going to have much in it because there's still reportedly $100 billion still up for grabs from the second round of PPP. Had you seen that? I saw that. I'm not sure how that's possible, but that's what I saw. A hundred billion. So if there's a hundred billion in that unspent account for stimulus and in the first round, there's still something like 50 billion or 75 billion that was unspent for unspecified purposes. Dude, there's no more stimulus coming. It's just not going to happen. No. And it's, I think the the biggest sticking point was the $600 a week kicker uh, for unemployment that that I saw Senator McConnell had some some issues with. I could see potentially another one-time payout that comes by, but I don't think there's any way that unemployment benefits, um, at least the $600 a week, uh, can make it through the next round. I don't like to make predictions about something that none of us really know anything about because this is, and I hate the word, unprecedented. But Dame, I think the biggest mistake is not extending the unemployment benefits. And I know this is a sticking point for a lot of people that get upset when people aren't working. But the if we're going to be at 25%, 20 to 25% unemployment by the end of May, Dame, those, those jobs are not coming back in 60 days. What are people supposed to do? If I had that answer, I'd probably be getting ignored in Washington right now. <laughs> that was a good turn of phrase. I, I don't know. I People need help and they're going to need some long-term help. I think the uh, the concern is is that uh, some folks who don't really need it may be getting it, which we saw the with the first round of stimulus payments. That, that was a big concern there. And they're trying to come up with a better mousetrap to make sure that the money that they spend is going to be as efficient as possible. And I understand how crazy that sounds to say that Washington's concerned with how they spend money. But I have to believe that's part of what's going on here. I do have to say it was a giant mistake to have uh, means testing on the first stimulus payment. I think everyone should have gotten that $1,200 per adult and $500 per child. I, I legitimately feel that way. But the tricky part about what's next is is exactly what our, our iTunes reviewer was criticizing us about who mislistened to the last time we talked about this. You get into a weird fairness, right? You get into, well, people talked about having frontline medical workers, student loans forgiven, but is that fair to the frontline workers who don't have student loans, right? It's, it's not a matter of, is it not fair to the frontline workers who are non-frontline workers who have student loans? It's, it's, a, it's, it's impossible to make this fair right now, but now we have more time to think about it and debate it. And that's why I don't think there's going to be more stimulus. No, this is kind of where we've painted ourselves at this point, and it's going to be really difficult to make everybody happy. I did see the state of Indiana this week. The uh, governor, Governor Holcomb, 
once the state budget essentially reduced by 15% going into 2021 because of the loss of state tax revenue. And I think that's very smart, especially get ahead of it right now, because that is going to be the problem going forward. So, hey, we're at that time in which we've run out of time. So send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. If you want to email us, do so. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Thank you, Dame. I'm Pete The Planner. This is the show. Thank you.